Welcome to the Chasing Tone Podcast. I'm Brian, and this is Max. Here again, another week with uh, Anthony from Texas Blues Alley. And uh, Max has his guitar today. I'm holding my guitar. Everybody else is holding guitars. I'll hold on too. <laughs> so, so today we talk about um, muting like Stevie Ray Vaughan stuff versus how I would mute strings when I'm playing. Uh, we talk about overdriving the front end of an amp with an overdrive or distortion versus playing through a clean amp. And we also talk about using multiple pe or pedals, that, uh, multiple pedals that have tons of EQ options and how you should set those. So with that, let's jump into the first question. Matthew Campbell wants some tips on muting notes that you're not playing, especially since SRV had a radical, almost messy playing style. How do you make sure you don't have unwanted messiness popping out? So I'm going to approach this question, obviously, from the angle of somebody who tried to play like Stevie Ray. But the things that I'm going to show you here are usable for anybody who plays blues rock. And then, Brian, I think you can probably give some insight into how muting works more when you're doing the country stuff. So there's three basic... Is it four? I can't remember. There's a couple different ways that you can mute strings when you're playing the... Kind of the... the the, the note with the slop around it the way that Stevie Ray Vaughan would do. So the, the question was about bringing strings ringing out. So a good example is uh, like the song Cold Shot. If you don't have good muting technique, you'll end up with something like this. That's a little bit of an extreme case, but... That's but, what I, that's kind of what I sound like. <laughs> sounds I'm, just like you, Brian. <laughs> All right. So when I hit a note like this, and you hear that, you're not hearing more notes, you're hearing more clicks. So the way that you get that instead of, there's a couple different things happening. Number one, the bottom side of your fingers are your friend. So if you just wrap your hand around the neck like this and just rest your index finger down on the strings, grab that low E string with your thumb, but don't press down. You can get all nice clicks there with no notes. The trick is to be able then to press down on a single note with this finger, wrapping it over these strings while not squeezing too hard with these fingers. You're hitting okay. a note. You're hitting a note. I'm hitting that, that's the one I intend to hit. So the trick is to be able to hit a single note while raking everything else. I got and you. only have that one note I got ring you. out. That's your first. Your, exactly. That's your first issue. Gotcha. And then you just repeat that for like the second note. Now the trick is I'm resting my finger on those strings, mm -hmm. and I kind of arc my fingertip down onto that Which note. Which is probably a really weird technique for someone who's not used to playing yes. that. Yes. This right here, I have a. I take a minute to pimp my own lessons here. I have a whole series of super like in-depth lessons called Essential Techniques for Blues Guitar. Um, if you Texas Blues Alley. On Texas Blues Alley. If you really want to get nerdy with techniques, you should go study those. But what I'm showing you here, if you're a good, motivated uh, person, you can take what I'm showing you here and you would never need to study any lessons on, on muting anyway. So between the bottom of your finger and your thumb wrapping over, this technique takes a long time to, to feel natural. Because especially if you're used to the traditional way that God intended people to play guitar with their 
with, with thumb picks. With, thumb yeah, picks, with thumb right? picks and your thumb behind the neck. <laughs> Going from this to this kind of approach takes a long time to train, and you'll you'll get soreness in your finger and a lot of stuff. But the basic principle, like I said before, resting fingers on the strings so that they don't ring out, and then targeting individual notes with your other fingers. So that works for things where you're not in the open position, but what about when you're playing something like Pride and Joy? There, again, I'm using a lot of the finger on top of the strings, but I'm not using my thumb. There, I'm as I come down, I'm resting my finger on the strings, and I'm kind of just arcing this fingertip down to have that one note ring out. All right, so that's good for lead stuff, but what about when you're playing rhythm? There's two other things that come into play when you're playing rhythm. Uh, one is palm muting up here. Sometimes, depending on what strings you're playing here, it, it doesn't work to rest your finger on it because you have to be fretting stuff. Mm -hmm. That's where the fat side of your picking hand is good to rest. I usually rest it right past if you want to fully mute it, you slide it past the bridge a little bit. If you want to just kind of kind of deaden it a little bit, then you kind of rest it right on the bridge. But if you're, let's say I wanted to play this, uh, this rhythm line here. And I wasn't going to use my thumb to deaden the low E string. Mm -hmm. In that case, I could accomplish that by resting the fat side of my picking hand right on the E string. Even if I'm strumming the low E string, it's not ringing out. Right. And the last muting tip that I want to talk about, and the one that I think is overlooked sometimes, is that the fleshy side of your picking, or your fretting fingers, can actually be used as muting devices when they rest against the side of another string. Mm -hmm. So in this case, if I want to target the D string, and I can get the E string with my thumb, so the low E string muted, D string ringing out, what happens with the A string? One way that you can very easily mute that is just move your fretting finger up a little bit so that you're still pressing down on the D string, but the side of your finger is muting the A string. So those four things, bottom of your finger, your thumb over the top, your... Uh, fat side of your picking hand and the side of your fretting fingers. Between those four things, you learn how to use them, you can usually get things under control. But that is all designed for people who play like this, mm -hmm. the way that God didn't intend us to play. <laughs> uh, let's talk about uh, how you mute stuff for a more country sure. approach. Okay, so for me, uh, I'm using a you know, regular old WGS pick right now. Flat pick. You know why I use WGS picks? So I've got about a thousand of these things. Yeah. <laughs> I've been doing trade shows and stuff. The so. best pick is the one that you can find. Exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, we have, sometimes I use Wampler picks too because they're almost free to me. I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't, <laughs> if you wouldn't constantly promote your own stuff. I'd appreciate it. Uh, so I, will, I will eliminate that from my vocabulary. So right now, um, just running through a Euphoria pedal because I'm not a huge fan of, like we talked about this the other yeah. day, or, or, you know, whenever that was about how I like a little bit of dirt on it. So, um, let's see, the Steve Ray Vaughan thing is, that's in, how, how's it go? 
right? Something like yeah, that. Something like that. You can tell I don't play it. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I play everything more of like a country. Right. Get a little bit more form. of the hiccup in your step there. So, anyways, but yeah, like I'm not. I'm not thinking about it. I guess I do kind you of do am doing. Much, do you do much raking? When you play, nah, see, and that's, I mean, like, that's a key difference right there. Most of it, I guess, like if I'm doing stuff, I guess I'm doing a combination of, of both, right. like, you, like you're doing. Mm -hmm. But um, like doing open string stuff, you kind of want things to ring out. So. Well, it's hard to do. So one of the key differences is that when you're playing a lick, chances are you're only picking the strings that you want people to hear at that point. Whereas for the Stevie Ray Vaughan style, there's a lot of that raking of mm -hmm. all the strings mm -hmm. where if you don't have muting, you're going to get way more notes than what you want actually heard. Right. And, and so like the difference is a lot of the, if I'm doing really, really country type stuff, I'm wanting those open strings. Right. You know, versus... You know, it's a... So some of that stuff seemed, I mean, to me who I, I can only really play blues, what you're doing there sounds complicated to me. Surely there's got to be spots in there where there's a chance for you to accidentally brush a string that you're not playing. Yeah, so I So what, what are you doing as you're going, or is it all like... I, I act so like you I were born. Yeah. <laughs> like, I meant to hit that note. Do it once, it's, it's a mistake. If you do it twice, then it's jazz. Exactly. Right there, I hit that... I hit, actually hit the G more than I wanted to. Okay. So, so, so it's just like this silly little lick. Think about how to do it slow. Another thing there you're using your fingers. Yes. Which gives you a little bit See, more precision. Right. Right. Yeah, so like, I don't, it's not even a conscious thing. A lot of times right. I'll start out here. Right, right, I'll just right, start. Right. And you've got your here. hand resting on the bridge there. Yeah, so and um, yeah, some kind of muting stuff. I don't. Right. Yeah, so I guess I am. I'm, I'm muting these upper strings until I yeah. get there. Yeah. So it just seems to depend a lot on a the style that you're playing and b your picking style too, because that will affect how many mm -hmm. strings you're brushing as you go to hit right. those notes. So yeah, so I guess if I was the See, even guess, there, though, you're kind of hitting all the strings, so you still are getting some of that bottom of your finger. I probably am. On the, yeah. yeah, I'm just not very good at that yeah. sort of thing. Oh. I'm not good at most sort of things, but <laughs> definitely not the Stevie Ray Vaughan sort yeah. of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, I think I probably finger pick more than most right. people do, so I'm, prob I'm probably am muting up. Yeah. I've never really, like, st like, studied it... It's a hard thing to do you know to mean? take something that you've done naturally for years and then think about well, what am I? Right. What's actually happening in there? Yeah, while I'm like playing? even breaking that lick down, I'm thinking, what notes am I hitting? You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, usually it's. Welcome, welcome to my world. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not. I've never like sat down and got. Hmm. Yeah, it's all muscle memory at this point. It is. It's just yeah. an exercise. That yeah. in itself is a good point, and it's something that seems to be a problem now, muting or whatever. You do it enough times and you work it out. It's not like you have to keep thinking about it for the next 10 years every time you do it. Eventually, it just becomes like I couldn't play that Pride and Joy rhythm with, you know, 
unwanted notes even if I tried to because it's so ingrained in my muscle memory to, mm. to mute those strings when I'm supposed to. So. Right. Yep. So, let me hand the guitar to sure. Max over here and see what he's got. <laughs> and I'm curious to hear this because even though our styles are somewhat similar, we approach the same thing a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, so, like, when I'm doing it, I'm, I'm kind of doing the Sean Costello thing. I do a lot of muting with the, the fat part of my hand, but then I'll also play the fingers if I'm grabbing more notes, which gives me a little more control. So, I'm, so I'm using my, my palm a lot. Then if I'm using a pick, I kind of do what Anthony does. I'm like using that yeah. my left and hand. You got uh, the bottom side of your fingers there, yeah. resting on the strings, muting them out. So, yeah. But yeah, I'm a big fan of using either this part of my finger mm -hmm. for muting, or just using my big fat palm. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big fat palm. This is all kind of chunky and right there. Yeah. Chunky like me. <laughs> my peanut butter. <laughs> I got eyes on hungry. I know. It's about lunchtime. Yeah, right. Need to explore that option soon. No more food metaphors. All right, so let's go on to the next question here. Steve Zollis wants to know about stacking overdrives. How many are too many? And the order of gain in a signal chain while stacking. So what I have set up is the Sovereign into the Plexi Drive Deluxe into the Clarksdale into the Euphoria. Now, uh, even though like the Sovereign, for example, doesn't have a traditional bass, mids, and treble, it does have a mid control. It's got a tone control that sweeps through like some bass frequencies when it's down and, and treble when it's up. And it also has like bright switch, like several other pedals, including the Flexi Drive Deluxe. Um, so there's a ton of options there, mm -hmm. right? And, and of course, if on the Plexi Drive Deluxe, active bass, mids, and treble, we have another boost for the bass here, a little bit of low end, 80 hertz or so. It's like the majority of the controls on these pedals are for for EQ. E EQ. Yeah. Yeah. You can and see why this would be confusing. Yeah. So, uh, and then additionally, there's another high control there mm -hmm. um, into the Clarksdale, which is like a tube screamery type of thing yeah. with uh, <laughs> an active bass and mids. Right. Uh, treble control is still the same as what you'd find on a tube screamer. Um, into the Euphoria, which has uh, like a pre-clipping base, so that's okay. pre-clipping will kind of fuzz things, uh, yeah. fuzz things up as you turn up the base. Uh, then tone control is actually a passive con uh, control, but it works. Uh, it makes it a little more transparent. Right, doing it that way with that circuit. So um, let me kick that off. Before I go on, let me kind of state the last. If I have everything on the last pedal in the chain. It's probably going to influence the overall EQ effects right. yeah. uh, more so than um, the, the Sovereign, for example. If I have the Sovereign and Euphorion, um, it's going to be flavored a little bit like the Sovereign, but yeah. you, you'll control EQ a lot more with, with that last pedal. If you don't have the last one set right, mm -hmm. you'll have to overcompensate with the other ones. Like yeah. if the last one has the, like if you had. Like the Euphoria, the one nice thing about it is even with the treble all the way down, mm -hmm. it's not dull right. the way the song. But if you had a pedal on the end where with the tone knob all the way down, it's mm -hmm. like really dull, there's almost nothing you can do before that to fix that. Not too much, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. I mean, so for example, on the on the Plex Drive Deluxe, the pre-gain circuit's actually just like, a, it's a tube screamer that's set, right? right? 
um, with the pre-gain controlling uh, volume. So, right. and I think the gain set somewhere in the mid mid twelve o'clock, one yeah. o'clock so, or so. So, if I kick that on with the plexi drive, you get more saturation and gain, yes. but it doesn't necessarily flavor it like a tube screamer. So, I'll demonstrate right. both. So, with the plexi drive on. Kick on the tube screamer-ish type yeah. boost. So you can see it still has a little bit of like tightness and a little bit of nasaliness. But you're feeding the more nasal sound into the more wide open sound right. in that case. So yep. the more wide open sound comes last, right. it's essentially not further constricting your tone, it's right. allowing more broad right. signal to pass through. So let me do that the other way. Let me go with the plexi drive into the Clarksdale. Notice the bass and mids are set neutral. Yeah. So it's roughly the same thing as what we got here, right? right? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's the same circuit, two different places, right. radically changes everything. And the biggest difference is, is that in the first configuration, the more open transparent circuit is last. Mm -hmm. And in the second demonstration, the more nasal closed circuit is last. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so you can't, it kind of, feeding the plexi drive into the Clarksdale kind of kills the vibe of the plexi drive because right. it's designed to sound more open. Right. So, but I mean, you mean yeah. I, we talked the, uh, you know a little while ago about having two tube screamers. Yeah. Um, it, so you can with, with two tube screamers, you still get like the best of both worlds. You, st you still get the two screamer sound, but just a lot more saturation. Yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, it just doesn't work that way with this. So. So when you get. Uh so to go back to the person's original question, mm -hmm. how to set this up, it really comes down to what you're going to use each pedal for. Right. Um, and it doesn't really matter. The fact that you have multiple pedals with tone controls, that only comes into play when they're on at the same time. Mm -hmm. So really what it comes down to is when you're stacking pedals, how do you go about setting your tone controls? Right. And I think the good principle that we've brought out here is that just remember that the last one is the one that's going to have the final say on your tone, and that can influence how you set things. Right. So if I wanted to, um, with the plexi drive being a little more open, if I wanted to make my, I don't know, let's, let's, let's use the Euphoria, for example, just because it's a lot more transparent, right? So if I have both of those on... Just the euphoria. Let me take a little gain out of that. So if I wanted to influence the overdrive in this, let me turn up the mid some, the treble some, turn the bass down. Versus. 
So it still does influence some, but it's just yeah. not nearly as dramatic as it would be right. if it was at the tail end of things. So yeah, the I, final pedal minimizes the influence of the pedals before right. it. So, so I guess if, if I'm starting out with, a, with multiple pedals, I'm kind of thinking beforehand, okay, here's, here's how I set my plexi drive. Here's how I set this pedal. Here's how I set these two together. You know what I mean? Okay. Uh, and sometimes, I mean, uh, I'm the annoying guy on stage who's turning knobs in the middle, <laughs> you know, of, of the set, right? So, I mean, there's a lot of times you'll see him bend down and I'll move something. Crowd loves that. Next up. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like I always say, I don't care. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You, you paid tuning to see me. and watching you turn pedal knobs. Those are <laughs> crowd favorites. I like to actually tune in the middle of the song. <laughs> it's my favorite. Everybody yeah. stop. Everybody stop. Yeah. I I just, especially like a, on a guitar part that's, you know, prevalent. Yeah, right. Just like start tuning and so everything yeah. drops out. Really, if yeah. you do it convincingly enough, it just sounds like it's part of the music. Exactly. You just <laughs> act like it's supposed to be there. Yeah. Drum solo. Yeah. All right. So hope that answers your question on that one. Viewers are writing in, why in general do most overdrives have such volume on tap? Unity is often around 9am, and you can usually drive the front end of the amp way before maxing out the volume knob. Why have so many extra decibels available? Can a certain amount of decibels going into the front end damage your amp? So this question is a common one that we get on our Wampler Pedals Tone Group on Facebook. So. Um, what I'm running through for this is actually a Tyler amp. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a Princeton sort of thing, and uh, I want to kind of demonstrate what happens with with volume. So, the, to answer the person's question, um, yes, you can turn up an overdrive or distortion or anything else, and uh, overdrive the front end of the amp. Uh, if you have if you, uh, like for me personally, I guess when I'm setting my volumes, I set them for a little more than Unity. So, yeah. um, like I don't care if it's 9 o'clock or 2 o'clock, it's just just wherever Unity is. Uh, or a little past Unity, rather. Um, but, I mean, there are some people who um, use a different, use a tube mm -hmm. screamer differently, for example. Well, some of it has to do with where your amp is set. Yeah. Because if your amp mm -hmm. is perfectly clean mm -hmm. and you boost the signal a lot with an overdrive, you're not going to get necessarily more crunch, you're going to get more volume because right. the amp might not have reached its headroom level. That's true. But if your amp is already dirty, right. I think part of the reason they have so much volume on tap is that once that amp is you know, starting to compress a little bit, you don't get a whole lot more volume out of it. Even right. if you slam the front end of it, you get more saturation. Mm -hmm. And that's you know, right. kind of so, nice. And we can actually demonstrate this. This is the prototype for the DB+. So let's do like 18 decibels on it real quick. Uh, so the amp is already kind of... Amp, amp is already fairly dirty. So there's a little so, jump in volume, a little but bit, not 18 decibels. But not 18 worth. decibels, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, and that's just, uh, that's just what happens, you know? Yeah. I mean, if, if we take a, let's take a distortion that's set for Unity, and we add that into the mix, into the dirty amp, it's you're, it's not really, like, you're not going to hear the sound of the distortion as much as the distorted right. amp with more distortion right. coming into it, so...
if we do the same thing with the plexi drive. So it, you know, of course it gets, it just gets more distorted and saturated yeah. and you, like to me it feels like you sort of lose the sound of the pedal a little bit. With you mean with a distortion pedal mm -hmm. into a, a dirty amp? It, yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not that it's a bad sound, it's just... But it doesn't sound as much like the pedal. Mm -hmm. Like if you compared the plexi drive into a perfectly clean amp compared to a plexi drive or any other distortion pedal into a dirty amp, the resulting sound through the clean amp sounds more like the pedal. Mm -hmm. Uh, because a, yeah. a clean amp is very unopinionated. Right. A dirty amp has a very strong opinion and it mm -hmm. will influence whatever you feed into it. Right. So as I'm designing this stuff, I'm, I'm really kind of thinking more of, in, of a clean amp sort of situation. Right. Uh, not necessarily a guy using a real dirty amp. Right. So. But the purpose of an overdrive pedal mm -hmm. uh, is to, I mean, one of the main uses is to overdrive the front end of the amp. It can be, yeah. And so the reason you pack the, the power in there to put out such so many decibels is just in case somebody wants to use it that way. You certainly don't have to, but if you want to use a dirty amp and you really want to push it, if you don't have those extra decibels on tap, then you, you really can't. You don't like, even have the option. Yeah, I mean, it can be. I mean, let's take the Tube Screamer, for example. I mean, there's guys that uh, use it right into a clean amp just for the sound. Like, for, yeah. for example, if you're using a twin, and you use which doesn't break up mm -hmm. too, too too easily, and you use a tube screamer, it actually kind of rounds everything out. So rather than being honky, it kind of makes everything a little flatter. Yeah. yeah. So rather than, you know, where a, a twin is a fairly scooped. Yeah, it's got a very, yeah. well, kind of a nasty, trebly sound yeah. by default. Right, right. And tons of bass. Would you say the same? You play through a super, right? Yeah, yeah. Supers are kind of pretty similar. Yeah. Right. So, so two, 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 and you use two, 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 two screamers. screamers. That's a mouthful. So. <laughs> two, two <laughs> screamers. But are two, you? Two, two screamers. You're not really using those to to really slam the front end of the amp, though, because I'm assuming your amp's pretty clean. It depends where I'm playing. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. If I can, I always try to crank up my amp. Like if I'm playing a bigger venue, I always crank up my amp. I'll use a tube screamer to kind of slam the front end of it. Okay. If I'm playing at uh, the VFW and there's only six tables, yeah, I'm definitely going to crank that amp down and crank that tube screamer <laughs> up just a little bit so I don't blow out the blue hairs. So, you know, the red hat ladies. And that's how you quit playing the VFW. <laughs> so, all right. Well, hopefully that answers your question on that particular topic. And uh, that's it for today's show. So if you have any questions or any comments about this, if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, you can comment below. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, then send us an email at podcast at And thank you so much for watching.